Good day, nerds. This is Megan, your book reviewer and author interviewer, coming at you with another Cantina Conversation. Today's episode, we chat with Sue Mel, talking about her book, Providence. Um, She is a writer of short stories, and this was her first time writing something longer than a short story, writing an actual novel. So it was really cool to kind of um, talk to her and and learn about her experiences of uh, making that shift and trying something new. Um, But yeah, without further ado, here is Sue Mel. Today, we've got Sue Mel here. We're talking about uh, her book, Providence, which is out. It's available now. Sue, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us today. This book was very, like, I don't know, warm, fuzzy feeling a little bit. So (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs) I'm happy (laughs) to to get to chat with you a little bit more today about it. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, sure. So how about um, we go into, can you give like a brief summary of the book so like listeners can kind of follow along with the conversation? Yeah. Um, uh, So the main character is uh, DJ, who's a 57-year-old former uh, bookstore manager, and he's still grieving um, his wife's early death. And when he loses his apartment, he takes refuge in his uh, younger sister's half-finished basement in upstate New York, imagining a comfortable retreat from the world. Um, Instead, he finds himself dragged into her difficult divorce, unexpectedly becomes a caregiver for his 11-year-old niece, and finds himself faced with a storage unit crammed full of uh, a, a lifetime's worth of his and his wife's belongings that he can't afford or face. He's a big giver of gifts, and he gives his niece a, um, a marbled glass egg, a pork pie hat, and one of his prized guitars. Uh, but what's asked of him on his return to, um, this is the town where he grew up, it's not to give the perfect object. It's it's to really give of himself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, and I forgot to... Uh, no, you're fine. Go continue. I was going to say, I kind of forgot to mention that he's a, you know, he sort of borders, he's a collector of guitars and tchotchkes. And he and his wife were big uh, stoop sale and flea market shoppers. And he, he kind of borders on a hoarder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you kind of get that. The reader gets that probably like, almost immediately upon meeting him is that he can't he has a hard time getting rid of anything and it's definitely a to-do list that he is dreading (laughs) and that also yeah that's kind of touching on your um you know he's he's attached to material things where like he is a giver of gifts he likes giving things and that's like how he shows his like that he cares but then yes that's not that's not what they need from him like he needs to he needs to show up he needs to chip in he needs to earn his keep a little bit um in other ways instead of you know not with the physical things material things with things that you know he can't he can't tangibly hand off or tangibly hold on to to hand off. But yeah, it was, it was interesting kind of getting to know him as a character. And I, I did like his, uh, I liked his sister and his niece, you know, for, <laughs> for kind of like, yeah, yeah. I liked their, their dynamic and um, it was fun learning him and watching him kind of re- rekindling like that relationship with her. And, um, you know, Elise was, was it difficult kind of creating a character that, you know, 11 year old? I, you know, not really. I, I had kind of a sort of a, a baseline uh, memory of a friend of mine's 11 year old daughter um, that I knew years ago out in San Francisco, Claire, who was just, she was just so smart and, and feisty and <laughs> so much her own person. Um, she was a kid of a single mom. 
And okay. that was kind of my inspiration. And I could really hold on to, to her, her tone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then um, is this is your first like published novel, right? But you've written short stories in the past. Correct. Right. Okay. So then how was like this experience different than, you know, writing the short stories? Like what were like the biggest lessons learned? Maybe like, how did you, how did you handle that? And what made you decide to like switch gears and to make this more of a longer story? Um, I, I would say that it was a different in every, in every way. And, and I really resisted. I resisted for a long time. Um, it began as a, it began as a short story. Um, and it had the, I, it still had the same idea of the same arc of, um, kind of this, uh, I was interested in this idea of a transiting of a generation, whereas DJ isn't going to really be able to make a major change or really redeem his, his own life, you know, and whatever promise he's squandered, but he still has the potential to be a significant figure in the life of his niece. Um, and so that, that I was always interested in that idea. Started as a short story in graduate school. And um, I just kept on telling my advisor, like, oh, I, I think I can see the end. I think I've got an idea for the end. And she was like, yeah, I don't really think so. <laughs> she was like, I think you should keep good. Just keep going. Just keep going. And by the time I was at like 60, 80 pages, I, I was like, oh, so maybe a novella, a novella. Right, right. <laughs> She's like, and I, eventually I had to just admit that I was writing a novel. And then I had to just figure out how to do it. Um, yeah. So you, know, you got to definitely step out of your comfort zone. And um, so what, what uh, would you do anything differently? Or like, how was that? How did you change your writing process at all? Besides kind of like adding a little bit everywhere? Because I imagine like, you're, if you're used to writing short stories and this started out with as a short story, I don't know. I would almost imagine that it was like super difficult or challenging to, I don't want to, I don't want to say drag it out. I would just like add more to it or build up or develop a bigger picture here. Well, it was so different. Um, I mean, what happened is that I wrote, um, I wrote the first hundred pages as my thesis in graduate school. And then it took me about a year and a half to reach the end. Mm. Um, and the original draft had a bunch of other characters and um, had even less, but less happening than the conversation. <laughs> no, that is not a very plotastic book. Um, <laughs> and I was kind of sending that around, and I was to agents and not getting any response at all. And um, I wound up applying for a fellowship at Bookends at uh, SUNY Stony Brook. You know, in the first workshop of that fellowship, I basically you do this whole thing where you kind of do an outline where you break down the whole book, basically scene by scene, what happens. And it became clear to me that, uh, well, long story short, I ended up completely rewriting the book. Okay. So I knew the characters and I knew this general arc, but I had no idea how I was going to get there. Okay. Um, (laughs) So So that was, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a completely different process. Yeah. Well, you got there. <laughs> um, it was actually uh, Meg Walitzer. Um, and I, I, at the end of that workshop, I was completely lost as to how to begin. And she gave me this amazing suggestion. She said, why don't you take some of these? There's, the book is very object oriented. She said, why don't you take some of these objects and pick a few of them, you know, that are interesting or intriguing and, have a prologue and describe them. And, and maybe you can use those objects to organize the material. So I took that suggestion and ran with it. Yeah. Um, 
but I, I really even like three quarters of the way through the book, I was still like, wow, like how do I, how do I get? <laughs> and whatever is that saying about how you only need to see as far as the headlights in front of you. Yeah. It was really, one step, really one step at a time. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then once you, you know, you have the full draft and you go back in and you refine and you revise, but once I had fully rewritten like that, I, I didn't make any major changes. It was really just um, deepening the scenes. And so like, if you're saying, you know, that it was really difficult for you to come up with how you said it con- turned out to a completely different book. So how wh- did you just kind of hang on? Like what aspects did you hang on to? Oh, the characters and the relationships. Yeah. Um, And in the initial, uh, in the original version, um, the the soon-to-be ex-brother-in-law was a much more benign figure. He was much more, um, I mean, he and DJ still are similar in a kind of core way, but he's much more of a a problem in the the current book, you know, and much more of a a threat really to sort of everyone's well-being. Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, David, yeah, you kind of felt bad for him, but at the same time, you're just like, dude, like, you know. Like, come on. <laughs> it was hard. It was hard to feel sorry for him or like, you know, give him a break. Cause it was like, like, you're like, dude, like, <laughs> He's a screw but, up. yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's, did you have to, you know, cause he former addict essentially. Right. So like, was it really difficult for you to kind of like, did you have to do any like research to kind of get into that headspace or develop his character in particular or, or even like DJ's character that kind of, um, you know, borderline hoarder personality, part of his personality. Um, you know, did you have to do anything to kind of draw in those qualities and make them a little more accurate, things like that? Well, for DJ, I think I have those <laughs> tendencies myself. I can't throw anything away. I'm very <laughs> sentimental and I'm attached to every damn scrap of everything. <laughs> so that I was able to draw myself. Um, for David, I did um, talk to a friend of mine um, who used to be a social worker. Uh, and actually worked at a state hospital and um, who was married for a time to someone with a coke habit. Mm. And so I kind of talked to her about what that was like. I mean, I sort of knew that story vaguely generally, but I didn't, I had never really spoken to her directly about her experience with him. And then I I also talked to um, my my financial advisor about foreclosure. And um, that was kind of a tricky thing like that. I didn't know. And also about divorce in New York state, um, just to, to make things plausible. Um, Yeah. 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 You want to, you want to like seem like, you know, what you're talking about or like what any situations that you're introducing to the reader, you definitely want some, you know, cause I just, you know, I, I ask that authors that question sometimes cause yeah, they're, they're definitely if they're writing about particular situations or their characters have certain qualities, they definitely want And If they're trying to use those characters or those stories to connect with readers, it definitely has to be authentic. I had a mentor who used to say, you know, it just, it has to be realistic within the terms of the story. Mm. Um, But also, I mean, you don't want anybody like all of a sudden saying, wait, what? Like that doesn't make sense. You know, or someone who's been through that experience saying, yeah, that would never happen. Uh, You know, I've read books where like, then all of a sudden you're like, you're popped out um, (laughs) of of the reality of the story. You're like, wait a minute. Mm." Um, yeah yeah no for sure it it definitely um 
everyone it, it trips up the flow a little bit you know yeah. especially you know if for something that um because providence is a it's a shorter book you know yeah. and so you don't want to like distract too much from what <laughs> yes. you're trying to do with it <laughs> for sure because it was ultimately like a story of like these characters dealing with something and they need each other and it's like how do they navigate that and how do they use the relationships with each other to navigate what they're going through and um yeah things like that where there's definitely you want to be able to connect with readers who or you know just share that sentiment with someone who has gone through something similar so oh so like dj you know was it difficult kind of like developing a main character of um the opposite sex or like do you think you you would have uh done anything differently if if he were a woman um, that's an interesting question. Uh, you know, if I have, you know, a lot of people's first time novels are in uh, first person. A lot of people write in first person. I find that really hard. I can't mm. write, like, I need that distance. Um, yeah. And so to um, go even further, having to, uh, writing from a male point of view, that actually eases something up for me. Okay. Um, I mean, oddly, I'm able to bring much more of myself and my own kind of ambitions and, you know, interiority to a character that's, you know, completely separate from myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you um, thought about maybe, do you think his, his story or his personality would have been every, any different had he been a woman? Yeah, I can't quite imagine it um, because I, I think a lot, a lot of a lot of who he is comes from his being you know a boy growing up surrounded by sisters um, yeah yeah and then kind of having been taken care of by women <clears throat> you know throughout all his romantic relationships um that's a very particular kind of guy yeah um, yeah that's and I'm true. In a, i think women are you know certainly there are women who are taken care of by men but it's a very that's a, such a different dynamic and kind of yeah. a different trope um yeah and then he kind of has to like when his wife unexpectedly dies it's like then he's thrown into a situation that he had like not prepared for at all you know right like he didn't he's not used to that he didn't even think about it and you know while belinda like was his rock like his his you know his base his like whole base and now and i i i got the impression that like you know she because she was like an artist too right like she was artistic she was yeah. a little bit more of a free spirit too so i imagine that you know he he just wasn't used to like having people tell him you got to get your shit together like you got yeah you know, he wasn't used to that <laughs> yeah it's not used to anybody having you know more expectation of him than what he's used to giving um mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's definitely some character growth right there yeah <laughs> <Where> he's just like <laughs> yeah. watching his little journey of like and especially what he's like in his mid-50s right yeah 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 and i guess it's the age thing too like do you know you know i guess we could speculate all we want but was it do you have you imagined him being like uh younger or older than that because like i imagine his age plays a huge part into how we meet him, you know, how the readers meet him. No, I think it's definitely crucial that, and so he's 57 at the mm-hmm. time. So that it's really, you know, he's on the cusp and he's, you know, at a point where it's, you know, at some point women are not going to be interested in him that way. 
Um, so kind of the thing that he's relied on his whole life is, is going to, is going to fail him. Yeah. Um, and he's still trying though. He was yeah. still trying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know it's been a few years since, you know, he's, he lost his wife, but it was like, yeah, like he's still, it, it was the, yeah. Yeah. Like he, he, you know, he was still interested. He was not ignoring or, you know, he wasn't oblivious to, to meeting new women at all. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think that if, that if it, you know, for, a, if it were up to him, if he could have had his way that he would have just moved into the next relationship mm-hmm. and that this was really sort of, I mean, the book is over a short period of time, but that's in a way the unexpected thing for him is that, is that he's uh, on his own, you know, and then he doesn't stay on his own when he runs out of money, then he, he goes to his sister. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I guess it is like a significant part of his, his um personality too is that his draw to women or like you know, I don't know what you want to call it I'm the term is kind of like escaping me but you know because he he's very much like attracted to women he's very much interested in that companionship yes and you know having so like it seems like someone who he's not yeah he's not comfortable being alone he's not right. comfortable being on his own and right. you know that's also part of this process, this journey that we're watching, you know, that we're following him through. Cause, um, and he's kind know, of dependent on his friends in a similar way, you know, yeah. he relies on them to, to look out for him and take care of him. And, and people do, you know, he's, he's, he's good at it. He's lucky that way. Um, <laughs> I know people like that. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, and I, yeah. and then in some ways I think that was the puzzle for me, you know, or that was kind of the, the conundrum is like, what, what is that thing? And, and, and what happens if, you know, if it runs out or, or if you're finally in a position um, where you do have to stand on yeah. your own. Yeah. You're for, you have no choice. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta figure yeah. it out. My next question is going to be like, well, why did you choose the story in third person versus first person? You already touched on that. So, <laughs> <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> um, so this is kind of like a two part question. What were the most challenging parts to write? And then what were like the most enjoyable parts to write? To me, you know, the most enjoyable parts are always a dialogue <laughs> and, um, and then description. That's just, I guess I, those are the two things I love doing the most as a, as a writer. The most difficult thing, that's such a good question. I just, I guess I was worried throughout about, you know, I like whatever you want to call it, quiet books. Uh, I mean, I, I like character-driven novels. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, that's, that's not an issue. But I, but I was always concerned about there being, you know, uh, like enough happening for the book to, to, to do well in the world. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I, you know, I think you could kind of sense that because it does, I did get the impression like, oh, this, cause I was, I just finished reading. Like I, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with Paula Garan, but she's a cur- curator. She collects short stories and creates anthologies of short stories. Mostly are, she specializes in dark horror or dark fantasy and horror, but she recently did a fantasy based and so I'm used to reading like short stories. And so I think when I first picked up Providence, when I started reading, I could kind of recognize that a little bit. And then I mm. dug into your background a little bit. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. she's used to like, this is her thing. So this is, this will be interesting to talk about with her because it was oh, like your funny. first stepping out of your comfort zone, challenging yourself, you know, um, almost like almost parallel with, with DJ story where it's like, you, you kind of have, 
you went out on a limb here, something like you're not used to doing. Um, although this was your choice, you know, you, had, <laughs> true, true. you chose to do this, you chose to do this. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it was, um, it was like your, your writing style and your, you definitely had that, that start that base. It was like your writing style that like, you know, I even got a lot of praise for your story where just like your talent for, um, just, I don't know how it's going to be hard to articulate, but it's like, just make it, putting the words and making them flow and make having a connection with the reader, like mm-hmm. as you're like as they're reading it, it's it's kind of bridging that gap and making that connection through your writing. Even if like it's a very you know it's like a very calm read. It's it's um slower paced. It's like easy breezy beach read. I would say just we're like relax. It's not a complicated plot. You know? Yeah, and, really I, and a... I'm not. Yeah, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's yeah, yeah it's just um you know that it was. It was, yeah, it was easy to get through and um, it was pleasant. That's why it's like, you know, warm, fuzzy feeling where you're kind of, you're still rooting for DJ. You still want him to figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. You still want him to figure it out, even though like, you know, you're like. I mean, to come back to your question, your earlier question, I mean, that was the hardest thing is to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I got ran. No, 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 not at all. But um, was, was to find, um ways within who he was to give him some agency. Um, and in a way his, he, he could only in a sense, most of his agency he could see in the past, you know, and in, and in caring for Belinda when she was dying, yeah. um, which he did, you know, in his, in his own way, which maybe was not to the approval of other people, but he was there for her till the very last second, yeah. um, which is no small thing. No. And, and then it's uh, so it's a question of, you know, within who given who he is, you know, how can he grow and how much can he grow, um, you know, you know, in a, in a believable way. Yeah. Um, yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, I just like because one of the significant things was like he just had so much stuff and <laughs> he had such like a hard time figuring out like, you know, just t- like he, he was just dreading coming to it. And, and a lot of it's just like a part of his history and a part of his, his life with his wife. And he's deep down, he's like, does feel that guilt. But in addition to like that hoarder mentality of, cause you know, I don't know my, my husband, I, my husband and I, we tease, I tease him, but he, he acknowledges that he's a little bit of a hoarder because he does have, (laughs) he does have a hard time getting rid of things, even though they serve no purpose. Like it's one, you know, he attaches a lot of the sentimental value to items. And I'm like, our, our house is modestly sized and we have two, (laughs) two little boys who Uh, like, we ran out of, we run out of room and I'm like, you You got Legos, man. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, well, some of the, the Legos are ours, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but even that it's like, I I like them too, but I was like, okay, well we have to display them where the kids can't reach them. So I need you to like, just build shelves, maximize our space, like just shelves everywhere. And I will buy you all the Legos. Like, (laughs) and then, yeah, it's just stuff like that, where it's, I kind of like that sentiment where, you know, I recognize so much of that, um, that internal struggle for him. And then also, I think it was Tracy. Was she like a former girlfriend that was no, helping she, him out? She was never or... a former girlfriend, okay. um, but I they were thought... very close. He, he, he yeah. was interested in her, but she's gay. And always okay. Okay. 
Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. I got that sense of like, they are, are, yeah, they're like that relationship was, was significant. Um, but where she was helping him out and I, 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 I resonated, her character resonated with me. Cause it's like, dude, you got it. What about this? Like what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, trying to go take it slow and all those. So it was, yeah, those little things where I was like, Oh, okay. I, you know, I feel for them. I recognize this. Like I get it. Um, so just a couple of more questions here. So <laughs> what, what advice would you give to DJ, to Connie and to Elise? Oh, wow. That's a tough question. Um, well, to Connie, I would say, you know, you, should, you could like lighten up a little bit every once in a while. <laughs> that's an easy one. Um, <laughs> and to Elise, I would say, you know, that, that things will not always be as hard as they are at, at this particular moment. To DJ, I, was, I would say, you know, it's not going to kill you to like give a little more of your dang self. You know, it's not going to kill you. <laughs> um, and that, that that there is you know there and and i think that he does find that that there is a reward in in being there for the people that need you in a really deep way in a deeper way to to be able to fulfill people's expectations of you when they really need something yeah um, and to be that person to be the person for someone else that that people have always been for him yeah um, yeah it's it's got it's time to pay your dues buddy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so do you have like any future projects uh what's what's next for you what are you working on um oh i have a collection of stories um it's kind of a trio of um story cycles that i'm submitting around a few of those stories have been published i mean actually that was the first thing that i did after i um finished the novel I was like oh my god where do I go now um <laughs> so I had kind of this group of uh short stories that I had published um early on in my writing life and um I wrote into the secondary characters oh okay um, so that was really fun um so I'm sending that around and I'm a the primary caregiver for my mom um mm-hmm who's 93 now and has dementia. And I've done a lot of um, short creative nonfiction writing about her. Um, I have a chapbook that just came out um, called Giving Care that also uh, won a prize for the um, Chestnut Review there on Chapbook Prose Prize, Prose Chapbook Prize. So I'm kind of, uh, I'm sort of, I'm a little betwixt and between, honestly, between nonfiction and and fiction. I've been working on something that I can't decide if it's stories or or a novel. You know, I really loved um, Emily St. John Mandel's book, um, The Glass Hotel, because it just goes like she goes like wherever she wants, like whenever <laughs> she wants from character to character. I mean, it all makes sense, you yeah. know, but it's so, but the freedom of that book, um, I, I find really inspiring. I would love to do not something like that per se, but something that has that kind of motion, um, um, a multi-point of view, something mm. to sort of offset. This was, uh, I mean, that was hard when I was writing the book, I kept on looking for other, um, third person point of view novels from the point of view of a single character. And yeah. they, they are kind of few and far between. It was hard to find. And I was like, yeah, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to sustain. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is. 
Um, so, especially uh, if it's not first person too it's like yeah i think if it's first person yeah i understand that 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 certainly makes more sense in a way or i mean seems like it would be easier to access right yeah because you yeah because you get into their thoughts and you know there's more more substance to fill versus like yeah trying just to do the point of view from the third person so then like after this experience do you feel a little more comfortable a little more confident and maybe fleshing out and developing another you know novel or novella or something not a short story <laughs> yes and no <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's interesting because mostly the most of what i've written since the novel has been um flash or even micro i mean the the essays the chapbook those are all micro essays they're all really short uh, okay. under a thousand words okay um, yeah, and then, really short. <laughs> yeah, that's really short. And the novel is pretty, you know, the original draft was 300 and the, the published version is two. And sometimes, you know, as I was like proofreading the galleys, I was like, oh, you know, if I had my hands in this again, I probably would compress even more. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, so I'm not really sure. Uh, yeah i mean the thing about about a novel that's great is uh it's like having a a regular job where you know where you're going every day Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and you're not kind of starting over from scratch all the time Um, yeah yeah no i get it that could be really challenging if you're not if you're used to one format and that format works for you and that you've been doing well in that format and then you go ahead and try this and yeah, like I said before, it's definitely out of your comfort zone. But I you know, just, if you... <laughs> I was listening earlier today, and I'm not going to be able to remember her name, but the um to the uh the episode about the um the Valkyrie. Oh, uh, with Tiana Warner. Yes, and so yeah. she was talking about you know, well, her first trilogy, and now this trilogy, and then she's also writing some adult novels that I was like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> some people are just very prolific, and they have all these ideas. Um. Like Charlie Ann Holmberg, I interviewed her a couple times where she, she's, I think she's most known for like the Paper Magician series that she wrote a while ago. Um, but she's got a bunch of other books since then. I'm just like, I'm like, how do you have like so many ideas? Like, how do you, and they're not, you know, they're, they're good books. They're not bad. Yeah. Like, especially if you're into like the fantasy, um, you know, cause that's where kind of like she, she gravitates towards. And um, I'm just like, yeah, like how, I just don't get it. Cause I'm like, yeah, I'm not a, I'm the creative person. I like, I, I, my, my creativity is like for marketing purposes, like prof- the professional, more corporate world, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, but I'm fun. That's why I like, I love reading so much. And I'm like, so impressed with people who are able to just develop really good stories and, um, you know, not only develop like well-rounded characters, but also, you know, even throw in a twist here and there who just really like catch me for a loop. Like I'm a sucker for suspense and thrillers because it's, it's, you know, I'm not the type of reader that figures it out right away. So just <laughs> fine. I'm fine with that. I think, I think I'm okay with that. Um, Yeah. It's fascinating how people are able to just, they're just talented like that, you know, and yeah. you know, with you, I'll, I'll look into your short stories too. Cause I'd be curious as to, um, read your other works, the stuff that you're more that you started off with, you know, that where your confidence is good. <laughs> you like, yeah. you were in your comfort zone. I I'll be interested to like, you know, see. No, thank you. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. Um, okay, so we got Sue Mel. Uh, Providence is available now. 
Um, do you have like any websites or like social media that you want to push out real quick? Yeah, you can find me. Uh, my website is uh, Sue Mel Writes, S-U-E-M-E-L-L-W-R-I-T-E-S.com. <laughs> and um, I also have a, a, a kind of a fun, what I think of is a fun Instagram <laughs> where I write short bits of uh, nonfiction and some other things that are in a way connect to the to the novel I do a thing on Saturdays called this song and my stories where I just take a song from my and and then there's just a line about you know where how that song was significant in my life oh that's cool yeah so it's a couple of fun things there but you can find everything at the website I'm on Twitter and Instagram okay cool yeah we'll have all your links and stuff in the in the show notes so people should be able to be able to find you so um thank you so much this was such a nice conversation um oh, thank like you, I, man. Yeah. this was great this was really fun yeah and there you have it that was sue mal talking about provenance the book is available now um go ahead and check out the show notes to pre-order or to order her book and to follow her on social media And you can also follow the Nerd Cantina and Cantina Book Club on Twitter and Instagram. And make sure that, you know, if you want to check out any other of my book reviews, you can go to thenerdcantina.com. You know, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, But as always, thanks for listening.